Greetings to all of God's people. This is Mordecai Joseph. We're at 9 Lesson 85, and last time we were in the book of Acts, chapter 10, and uh, we were talking about Cornelius, the conversion of Cornelius, and one doctrine, false doctrine, that developed at that time was that Peter, as some put it, uh, said that it's okay from now on to eat unclean food because God showed him a vision telling him that it's okay. And from now on, they shouldn't make any separation between the clean and the unclean. Of course, that's complete ignorance, because Peter made it very plainly what the vision was all about. It's not talking about animals. It's talking about the symbolic uh, animals. That is, God used animals to symbolize the nations of the earth. All the nations who went out of Israel because they were not clean. And so he used the terminology of animals because of the fact that uh, many of the nations on the face of the earth were eating unclean animals and were behaving oftentimes in like manner. And so Peter makes it very clear, uh, very uh, plain here as he talks to Cornelius about this subject. And again, a lot of people have no knowledge and understanding of the identity of Israel and of the importance of Israel in the plan of salvation. They don't see any difference between the holy and the profane. And this is uh, one of them, the doctrine of the clean and unclean food that God told Israel, you have to eat only those things that I tell you to eat and not the others because you must be holy and this is one way for you to be holy. And once you're holy, you don't go into profanity and, and call it holy and everything goes. And that's in essence what the false religion was teaching and unfortunately all the children of Israel, with few exceptions, have bought into that and to this very day they think they are in the true church when actually they are in the unclean church. And clean and unclean animals also makes that distinction and difference, and that was from the beginning of time. The people of God who served God from the Garden of Eden ate only clean food. And so when Noah came into the ark, he made it very plain that he understood very well that God had that law from the beginning of time, and so when he brought into the ark the animals, God told him, of the clean animal you bring seven and seven, that is male and female, and of the unclean you bring just two, a pair of two. And when he came out of the, of the ark, the first thing that he offered to God was a sample of the clean animals that he had, and the clean birds. Anyway, when Peter is making it very plain here in this uh, area, in verse 25, as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. I'm a man just like you. In other words, what you found in the, in the nations of the earth and the Gentiles is the spirit of worship of a man. And Christ warned his disciples. He says, Don't you emulate this kind of an attitude among yourselves. He said, The rulers of the Gentiles behave like that. You know, this, uh, they who are dictators and rule over them, they are being called benefactors. They like to exercise dominion and authority over their faith, over their lives, over everything. But he said, such shall not be the case among you, because you are all brothers, and you have a master, and he's up in heaven. And so, by nature, this is what Cornelius was doing, because he was, though he lived in the land of Israel, and should have learned that it should not be that way among the people of God, yet he just copied uh, and behaved naturally the way 
all the Roman uh, leaders behaved. And the soldiers, when they came before a great one, that's, that's what they did. They knelt before them. And so this is what he did. He fell down at his feet and worshipped him. And Peter said, hey, I'm just a man just like you. Stand up. In other words, direct always the worship to God, not to man. And yet that's what a counterfeit church had done precisely. Taught the followers to bow down before the priest, to kiss the hand of the priest, especially of the bishops and the cardinals and the pope above all. And yet that's an abomination in the sight of God for men to worship another man. And so Peter makes it very plain. You worship God and not men. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. In other words, all of them wanted to walk in the same way, the way of righteousness that Peter was talking about. In verse 28, then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. Now, these laws originated with God. The Pharisees didn't invent these laws. He told them to be clean and to separate themselves from the nations of the earth, not to fellowship with them, not to eat with them, because when you begin doing those kind of things, you pretty soon begin to worship their gods. And to be a holy nation, they had to be separate. And so, obviously, the rabbis added also certain regulations and rules that went beyond the command to the point where they had uh, contempt for anybody who was an Israelite who was not a circumcised Jew or an Israelite. And that was not the intent that God had in mind when he gave those laws. He just told them, you have to be a separate nation. You have to behave in a certain way and have a code of behavior. You have to remain Israel. Don't mix with the nations of the earth. And so that's what he's talking about. And mind you, Peter is not talking about the, the, the Pharisaic do's and don'ts. He knew that this is not what he's supposed to follow, but the, the, the law of God. So he's not talking about an invention of uh, Judaism. He's talking about the law of God. And therefore, the Jews were keeping that. And, uh, you know, being human beings, you go to one, from one extreme to the other. But nevertheless, that was the law. Israel is not to be mingled or mixed up with the other nations. It's contrary to the law. Unless God calls some of those nations and they are grafted into the commonwealth of Israel, which in time past they were, were able to do it by circumcision, then they became Israelites. They were no longer Gentiles. And until Cornelius does that, he said, well, that's unlawful for a Jew to come and keep company with a non-Jew, another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. So that was the vision all about. He's not talking about animals. He was talking about human beings of the other nations whom God portrayed as animals because of their behavior. And yet he was talking about human beings that when God calls them, you see, that's when you do not call them anymore unclean. But as long as not, not being called them and they walk in their own ways in idolatry and eating unclean food, obviously they're unclean. And so that was the intent of that vision, that when God calls people out of the nations of the earth, apart from the nation of Israel, they too become clean because they're being cleaned by God. And they're being cleansed by God 
not only by the Spirit and the calling and conversion, by the mere fact that they are now going to be holy also by obedience to the law of God. This is what will make them holy, not just because God called them. That's not enough to be called. You have to obey a court of law. You have to obey the Torah. You have to obey the, the instructions, the teachings, the Word of God. Everything that God gives to His people, others must obey too, as He commands them to, unless there are some exceptions, as we shall see later, with the circumcision and certain matters. Because they were uh, linked, many of those things linked to the temple. And so, otherwise, when God calls people from other nations and makes them Israelites and grafts them into the commonwealth of Israel, they become Israelites in every way. And yet you could see that before that, God made a separation between his people and other nations and other peoples. And so that's what Peter makes it very plain here. And then in verse 34, we continue the story, where we read, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive, that's when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, and uh, in other words, when God made it very plain to him that God is calling uh, also of other nations, this is what he said. In truth, that's before the Holy Spirit actually was given. He said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. In other words, he's not a respecter of persons. And he was not uh, in the beginning of time either with the nations of the earth, as long as they were willing to abide by his law and to be circumcised and to be part of the commonwealth of Israel and to walk by the same law. He did not show partiality. He allowed an awful lot of uh, people, a great, good number of people of other nations to come up with his people uh, out of Egypt, in essence, brought them deliverance because they were in slavery. They were not Egyptians, though some of them may have been Egyptians also, but he brought them out of slavery, either physical or spiritual. And they came and stood before him in Mount Sinai, and they heard the covenant, and was made also with them, as Moses made it very plain. He said that, you know, God made the covenant with you and uh, all the strangers that uh, are among you. And all of them became a part of the covenant. So God never showed partiality from the beginning of time. He allowed all the servants of Abraham to be uh, circumcised also and to be partakers of the promises and, and covenants of Abraham as long as they stayed in the same faith. So that's not something new. And in essence, Peter should have uh, fully comprehended that before that. But, you know, the Jews went to an extreme where they had absolutely no contact with the other nations that they, in the process forgot that if the nations are willing, those among them who are willing to be converted, they should not be treated in that manner. And so that's what he's saying here. In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness, you see, these are the conditions. He's going to show partiality when people do not fear him and do not do right, and do not obey, you know, the truth of God, and the, and the law of God, and the Torah of God. But when he sees people who fear him, like Cornelius, and do righteousness, and there may be people even before circumcision occurred, but they learned about some of the ways of God, of the laws of God, about the people of God, and his wonders and miracles, and in their heart and their mind, they begin to worship that, that God, well, God does, doesn't show partiality to people like that. He brings them into the fold. And so that's what he's saying here. So it's not come as you are. 
as later on the false church taught all the the, uh, the Gentiles, you know, you can be in the church, of course, by that time they had a false church, so it didn't matter. And to begin with, they said, you know, we have nothing to do with the law of God, you know, the Jewish law, as they called it. So come as you are. You don't need to worry about any law. You know, we just live by grace. And God says, oh, no, it doesn't work that way. You have to fear God and do righteousness, and only the law of God will determine what is right and what is wrong. And that's the way it was. And so to become an Israelite, one must begin in this direction. And these are the people that Peter is talking about here and that God is talking about here. People who fear God and begin to keep the Torah and walk in righteousness. And the Torah came from God. So it's the righteousness of God. Only when God gives the Spirit, now the righteousness becomes of faith. Because you believe that God is God, therefore you begin to worship Him in truth and in spirit. But based on what He taught and what He gave Israel as the book of instructions, the Torah, which is the entirety of the book. And through the disciples, he magnified those, so that becomes a part of it. So the entirety of the book, from Genesis to Revelation, which is one book, not two. There is no Jewish Bible and Christian Bible. That's an invention of the counterfeit church. There is only one book, from the beginning until the end. One people, one church. There are no two churches. Just one. The other one is a false one. It's not considered to be one. But there's only one true church. And that's Israel. And one Torah. And one God. And one doctrine. One Savior. And so forth. And so that's what he's saying here. And then he continues in verse 36 by saying the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That is, of all those who are willing to walk in the ways of Israel. In the ways of the Torah that God gave Israel, in the ways of righteousness, in the ways of truth. And later on, Paul would make it very plain that even Israel, if they do not walk in the ways of Israel, that is, if they do not obey the, the truth, the word of God, they become like Gentiles. That's why he said later on, you know, he's not a Jew who is outwardly, but inwardly. You know, just a form of religion doesn't mean anything to God, but when you're inside, when you fear God inside, and it's a genuine religion, and you obey God from the heart, and you believe God, because without faith you cannot please God, then you become not just an outward you know, appearance of a Jew, but inward. That's what really counts with God. That's what he's saying. It doesn't, it doesn't mean by that that, you know, if you are an outward Jew, that you are not a Jew anymore. No, that's not what he talks about. He says that what really counts with God is the inward part. God made it very plain uh, many times through the prophets. It's not the lips that praise God that impress him, but the heart, when it comes from the heart, not the outside appearance. And that's what he's talking about here. So God is the Lord of all those who fear him and do righteousness. And as Christ made it very plain, he that does the will of my Father. You see, not just the one that says, Lord, Lord that is going to be accepted, but the one that really actually does, not just speaks and talks about it. In other words, as we have the modern terminology, it's not enough to talk the talk, but you've got to walk the walk. And that's all he's talking about here. And so he says, that word you know, speaking to Cornelius, and Cornelius was in the land of Israel, so he knew that. He says, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism with John preached. 
And so Cornelius now becomes a part of the commonwealth of Israel. Even before, before Peter showed him the scene, he already in his heart and in his mind was going in that direction and now God was sealing him with the seal of approval of the Holy Spirit. And he made him one of the commonwealth of Israel. And he was not putting him into a separate entity called the church. He was grafting him into the commonwealth of Israel. That's what Paul made very plain later on to the Gentiles so people didn't understand the process. And yet people develop their false doctrine because of misunderstanding and to this very day they believe it that God forgot all about Israel. He put down Israel and he picked up the church. There is no such a thing. Whenever God calls someone who fears him and does righteousness, he grabs that person into the commonwealth of Israel. And since they serve him in truth and in spirit, they become the spiritual Israel, not just physical. So he's not grafting them into the physical Israel, you know, the nation, but he's grafting them into the spiritual, spiritual Israel that all Israel must become and will be, because all of them are going to be saved. And so that's what the church is all about. Even though now the majority of the children of Israel are not really members of the Israel of God, that is a spiritual Israel, but they're members of the church of God in the, in the flesh, the physical one. And gradually they will be the spiritual Israel, but the church is always, has been, will always be Israel. And it's only the minority that God is going to graft into the commonwealth and the rest will become the children. In other words, minority will become members of the wife. The whole world is not going to be the wife. The wife will be Israel and those few grafted among the nations. And they, in turn, through that marriage with the, with the Savior and the ruler of Israel, the husband of Israel, will produce the children that will become all the nations of the earth. That's the reason why Israel is called the firstborn, the son of God. And let's continue now with chapter 11, verse 26, where we read, And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch, speaking about uh, Barnabas uh, and Paul. And so it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, who called them Christians? They did not call themselves. The people around them, they said, well, here, these people are followers of the Messiah. That's what they said. These are messianic. That's what they called them. Uh, later on, it developed into, uh, you know, in English. When English came about, uh, the word became Christian. But basically, people looked around them. They knew about the Messiah of Nazareth. And they said, well, these are followers of the Messiah. And that's what it means. But God was not the one that told them, I want you from now on, that is Jesus Christ. didn't tell them, look, my name is Jesus Christ, and I want you to call yourself by my name. He says, no. To the Father, he made it very plain. They are in your name. He said, you put them in your name. Preserve them in your name. Not my name. Your name. How can it be Christianity? You see? We're followers of Christ, yes. But it's not a religion. Or followers of the way of God. That's what the religion is all about. The way of God. The truth. The word of God. And yet people like to give names to things that God didn't give names. And so they create new religions and new doctrines. And that's the reason why we have so many. And even in our own midst, you know, we split and uh, re-split and all that. And we, each one of us give ourselves a name. And that becomes our name. And imagine that down the road. Let's see if we were to continue for another... T- thousand, two, three thousand years, there will be so many churches, just because today we created all these plates, and everyone is going to be called by a different name, 
And people will think, well, these are all different religions. You know, they have a lot of similarities, but they're all different churches. And I'm of the church of this, and I'm of the church of that. Well, that's what was happening here at this time. And this is not God's way. We are all followers of God. We're all, you know, church of God, people of God. We're, you know, we're called by His name. And we follow the way. And we obey the truth. And we keep the faith. And it's not Christianity. And it's not Judaism. And it's not uh, whatever. And so this is the point that I wanted to make here. And those who were in Judea, were called the churches of Judea, as Paul called them, speaking to the Gentiles, he said, you became followers of the churches of Judea. In other words, the congregations of Judea. But all are church of God, people of God. And it was not a separate entity. All the rest of the physical Jews and Israelites were still church of God. It's just that they were not converted yet. Just like even when you are in the body of Christ and follow Christ and obey Christ and all those things, your children are not yet. They are members of the church. They are people of the church. I mean, they are not full-fledged members in the sense of converted, receiving the Holy Spirit. But you don't call them Gentiles. You don't call them outsiders. They are being sanctified by the parents. And so all of Israel has been sanctified by God. He made them a holy people and they still are and he still calls them the holy seed. That's what you read in Isaiah, the end of chapter uh, 6, when God was going to put them uh, in a state of uh, blindness for, for uh, 2,800 years. He still called them the Holy Seed. So they remained the church of God, just that so they needed to be healed. And as time went by, people forgot that. Later on, these people that now are called Christians were called by others the Nazarenes. In other words, the follower of the man from Nazareth. So some call them the follower of the Messiah. Later on became non-Christians. Other call them the, uh, the followers of the Nazarenes. So, you know, you come up with the word Christianity and they well, you might as well come up with the word of uh, Nazarianity or whatever, something like that, and you know, just make just as much sense. Well, anyway, just a point about the subject that we're discussing, which is the identity of the Church of Israel. And now and then we have to realize what happened in between, historically, and how people perverted uh, certain uh, aspects of the truth, and uh, then it became accepted as supposed truth, and to this day we're being uh, infested with this kind of misconceptions and uh, that leads us to other places where we should not be, and that's why there are many in our midst that went back to their own religion and they say, well, we don't see any difference between us and them. We go mainstream. Uh, this is one of the outcomes of, of this kind of deceptions. When we don't understand, comprehend what the Bible is telling us, that there is only one God, one church, one people, and that's the commonwealth of Israel. And there is none else. And that's why when God comes back, that's the church is going to marry. The church of Israel is going to bring them back into their own land, settle them from the Euphrates to the Nile, as they promised in time past, According to the promises in the covenants, he's going to dwell in in their midst. In the city of Jerusalem, is going to be their God. He's going to marry them, and all the scriptures are very plain, and they have been recorded long in advance. There is really no reason for those who read the Bible to be deceived, because we allow the lies that we came up with to still lodge in our minds. We're still a part of Babylon, and that's why God tells us. Come out of Babylon. You're confused, even though you have a good, a good amount of truth. You're still confused by what you came up with. 
in chapter 13 and verse 5, we read the following. Verse 5, And when they arrived in Salamis, speaking about Paul and his party, they preached the word of God, see, the word of uh, Elohim, the truth of Elohim, the Torah of Elohim. You see, it wasn't Christianity. They didn't go preaching Christianity. There's not such a thing. Paul was not the founder of Christianity. That's the invention of a false religion that came up with this statement. They preached the word of God. You know, the same word that every Jew knew. There was no New Testament at the time. We're talking about the book of Acts. So they were preaching Moses. They preached Isaiah. They preached Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Malachi and so forth. And what they taught about the coming Messiah, the Savior of Israel, and the restoration of the kingdom to Israel, that's what they preached. And so they preached the word of God. And some people don't realize that because they're totally strayed away from the truth. So now the word of God you know, gets a new connotation to them. Well, they're speaking about Christianity. That's what they think they're preaching. There's no such a thing. The Word of God is the same word that Moses spoke from Genesis to Deuteronomy, and after that, all those that came after him. And whatever, Christ magnified in person when he came in the flesh. But still, he magnified also the Word of God, the truth, the Torah. So in essence, you might say they preached the Torah in the synagogues of the Jews. What else would they preach? They also had John as their assistant. And so that's what Paul continues to do, because that was a part of his commission, to go to, to the nations, to the kings, and to the children of Israel. And so he continued to go to those who were recognized as the children of Israel in this area, the Jews, in other areas, as he went to Britain and other places, as we read in historic accounts. And also, he went to the children of Israel, that is, of the other ten tribes. But he preached to them what they had known, the word of God that they had known from the days of Moses, from the days of Egypt, from the days of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so forth. And so he's preaching, in essence, to the church. When he goes to the synagogue, he's preaching to the church, the commonwealth of Israel, and magnifying the truth. So as God decides and chooses to call some of them into a greater knowledge and understanding, not into another religion, not take them out of the synagogue, and plant them in a new so-called church, new entity, no. Just open their eyes so that they would understand what they've been reading all this time. And serve their God, who was the God of Israel all along, their husband. And you see, the connotation is totally different when you read it from the point of view of how God described the history of his church in contrast to what the false church had done with it, and then now people read it from the false uh, uh, counterfeit. Uh, church point of view and they get a totally different message reading the same words and we must understand the difference and so we read again in verse 14 uh, but when they departed from Perga they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down Verse 15, and after the reading of the law, that is the Torah, and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, men and brethren, you know, that is, all oh, you Christians, you know, from the other church, not at all. Paul never thought of himself of being a member of another church. The Jews never thought of him as being a member of another sect, you know, with the exception of those who uh, had envy in their heart and they were persecuting him. But still, even they, they did not consider him to be a member of another church, a totally different entity. They just didn't like this idea of all the Gentiles coming in. 
and uh, others didn't like the idea of Jesus Christ. But you see the reality here. Paul continued to go to the church, the church of God, the people of God, the nation of God, and then also a part of his commission, which was a major part of it, was to go to the nations, outsiders, and to bring them into the church of God, which is Israel, the commonwealth of Israel. And that's all he's done all of his life. He's not a founder of Christianity, another religion. And he's doing it on the Sabbath day. What other day would he ever do it? He never did it on Sunday. He didn't invent, you know, a new day. He didn't invent any new holidays. He didn't invent any new laws. It was all the Torah. And this is what bound the church of God, whether they were of Israelite stock or non-Israelite stock. The same Torah, the same word of God, the same religion, the same commonwealth. And so, it was natural for them, the Jews, when they see him walk in, you know, to, to ask him to come and say something. Because that was a custom, and still is a custom in the, in the synagogue uh, to this very day. When uh, somebody else comes and they realize he's not from uh, this local area, uh, they, you know, they ask him if he has something to contribute. And that's, in essence, what they, what, uh, they did, and that's what he, what he did. He exhorted the people. And so, in verse 16, uh, we read, Then Paul stood up and motioned with his hand and said, Men of Israel, you know, you are the church, men of Israel, and you who fear God. So speaking about the men of Israel, and then there were also others peering through the windows, you know, the nations that would always come, the Gentiles, uh, to the synagogue and couldn't go in because they were not full-fledged Israelites, not circumcised, but they were able to stand outside and listen. And so it's, he says, you, men of Israel, and also you who fear God. And then he tells them the story of Israel, the God of these people. Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people. And so he's telling them about, about the identity of the God of Israel as he came in the flesh. And that's where the problem was. They did not recognize that because they have not been taught those things by their leaders. And mind you, we're talking here about uh, communities of Israel that were outside of Israel. And Jesus Christ did not walk among their midst, so they were not as aware of what was happening. And they didn't have any contact with Jesus Christ, so they needed to be illuminated. And yet, this is the church of God he's talking to. So when he went into the synagogue, he went into the church of God. And when God called outsiders of the, the community of Israel and made them commonwealth of Israel, they become a part of the same church. Only they believed in Christ, while well, their brethren now... Uh, that they were adopted into, so to speak, uh, who were physical Israelites, they did not know that yet, because God still hasn't opened their eyes. And so, as you read the whole account, that's what you read. And then verse 44, let's go to verse 44. It's a long chapter. We read, on the next Sabbath, Almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. In other words, he talked to the people who were in the synagogue and told them all about Jesus Christ, all about the God of Israel, all about the law of Moses, all about the prophets, and led them into that to comprehend and understand. And all that was fine. But the reality is, as Moses said, because of your behavior, you know, your stiff-necked behavior, God is going to call other people and is going to make you jealous through other people to bring you back to himself. And that's exactly what was happening here. So when the Jews 
so that other nations were coming, other Gentiles, that is, of the other nations, individuals. He's not talking about all the nations of the earth. He's just talking about individuals among them that came to the synagogue and wanted to hear the word of God. When they came around and Paul was going to speak to them too, well, that's when the problem became a problem. And the Jews, because of envy, as Moses said, not because they didn't believe what Paul was saying, but because of envy. That's what envy does to people. You totally forget the truth when envy enters into the mind and the heart of people. And because of envy, they were very angry. Because they read in verse 42, So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, you know, they didn't throw him out. They just, either some agreed and some did not. And envy to this very day is unfortunately what keeps many of uh, the people of God, of the churches of God, that is the people of God, the physical. Some of them even say that, you know, you stole our Bible. What do you mean you stole our Bible? How can anybody steal a Bible? And yet that's what they, see, what they, what they say when they see uh, non-Israelites, non-Jews, uh, read the, the law of Moses and other things like that and uh, preach from it and talk from it. Envy perverts and corrupts attitudes of people. And so that's what he's talking about. And so in verse 42, uh, 42 reads, So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. What words? The words of Moses? Or the fact that he spoke that somebody is coming in him just like him because God told him this is going to happen? A prophet just like unto him. He preached to them the words of the prophets. In other words, he was preaching them the Torah. And the Torah is the entirety of the book, not only the five books of Moses. There was no other religion. No other teachings. It was not a new church. It was not a new law. A new religion. A new doctrine. It was all the same. What God said from the beginning of time. And so this is what they wanted to hear. That's why they came to the synagogue. And so they asked him to come on the next Sabbath and to speak to them. They didn't say, you know, come on Sunday and uh, just tomorrow, you know, why what a whole Sabbath? Because they understood very well. They'd been long enough around the synagogue to know that that's the only day that you worship God. On the Sabbath, because that's what he commanded. And that's why when the Gentiles were being called into the congregation of Israel, into the commonwealth of Israel, they realized they are going to have to keep the law. And because some of them didn't want to go all the way in keeping the law, therefore they just stayed outside. But the ones that were willing to go all the way, then they kept the entirety of the law that God commanded them to keep, with exceptions that were not uh, binding upon them, as later on you can see. And so now when the congregation, verse 43, had broken up, many of the Jews devout, and that is, many of the Jews and devout proselytes, you see, followed Paul. And what does it mean to follow Paul? Well, they weren't following a man, they were following the teachings that he gave them from the Torah, from Moses, from the prophets. And the teachings that he told them is specific about the Messiah, the Deliverer, that is coming to not only his people Israel, but to the whole earth. And having enough knowledge of the law of God, of the prophets of God, they understood what he's talking about. And that is what excited them. So they wanted to hear more about it. And so that's what he says. They followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. And what was the grace of God? 
You see, the grace of God is the people who repent from their sins and turn away, as Christ said to his people when he came. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Repent of what? Of disobedience to the Torah. And so that's how you follow the grace of God. And the continuing the grace of God. You're not going to be in his grace when you disobey him. And that's what God told very plainly to Moses. That the eternal, the eternal, is long-suffering and full of grace. But for whom and to whom is going to show grace? He says, to those who fear me and obey my voice, my commandments. But as for the others, he said, I'm going to persecute them to the third and the fourth generation. And if you don't understand it from the point of view of the beginning of the book to the end, then you come up with new doctrines. And that's exactly what happened to this very day. People are confused by that. Because they failed to read the entirety of the story to comprehend and understand what Paul is talking about. And unless you know what Paul is in terms of what his background is all about and in the context from which he talks, you really don't understand what he's talking about. And that's exactly what Peter was saying. A lot of people. Because they're unlearned. Unlearned in the Torah, unlearned in Moses, unlearned in the prophets. When they hear Paul, they don't understand what he's talking about, and they're wrestling with those scriptures to their own destruction. But he's talking about the unlearned. He's not talking about the learned. Those who did know the writings, Moses and the prophets. Therefore, they understood what Paul is talking about. And so on the next Sabbath, verse 44, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. That means they came to hear the word of the Father given to his son as he was in the flesh to give to his people. So it was a religion of God, church of God. It wasn't Christianity. They didn't come to hear the word of Christ. They came to hear the word of God, the word of Elohim, the one of whom Christ said, I kept my father's commandments. It is, I kept my own commandments, something I came up with. Kept his commandments. If it is his commandments, if it is his religion, if it is his truth, that's his religion, not Christianity. Paul was not inventing any new, any new religion. And you see, to this very day, though, those things, those concepts, those, those perverted concepts are so deep inside us that we color everything that we read with those false perceptions and understanding that we got from the false religions of this earth. And so we read them into the Bible. And so when we read the Bible, either the, the Hebrew Scriptures or later on the writings of the disciples, we read all these false concepts into them and we get mixed up. And see, this is what God says. Drunk people do that. People who drink of the wine of the wrath of the fornication of the great whore and the harlots, they're drunk. And God says, you know, sober up. Come out of Babylon. Confusion. And begin to see it from my point of view. And so in verse 45, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. And they contradicting and blaspheming they opposed the things spoken by Paul. They didn't do it before that because they knew it was true. They knew very well Moses and the prophets. They couldn't argue with that. But when they saw Gentiles were envy made them drunk and they could not see straight anymore. And now they began to contradict and blaspheme and to oppose the things that Paul spoke about. And that's what happens to people, unfortunately, into this very day. It happens that. And you can see the same thing also in, in, in our midst. Different congregations, when they're separate, and because of envy, they don't want anybody to take their followers away from them. They begin to contradict and, and blaspheme, so to speak, the teachings that may be true, which they know to be true. Nothing new under the sun. 
And so the Brandage, either a heretic or, you know, not as, as, as religious as I am or not as lively as I am and not as as uh, perfect as I am and so forth, not as zealous as I am and they put down others and they exalt themselves. Nothing under the sun. This is what envy does and what always did to the hearts and the minds of those who otherwise know better. And so, the false religion and those who came out of it and those who are reading those things now today without background, without context, are looking at this thing and they are using these scriptures to, to justify what they came up with on to legitimize their false religion. And they called it, as time went by, the replacement theology. Because this is what Paul told them. And verse 46, Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said it was necessary that the word of God, again, the word of the Father, the Torah and the prophets, should be spoken to you first. But since you rejected and judge yourself unworthy, of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the nations, to the Gentiles. For so the Lord commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Speaking specifically about the servant of God and about Israel. Uh, in this case, Paul is an Israelite that is going to preach. What is talking about here? He's speaking about a group of people in a certain place that were rejecting the word of God. He's not talking about the entirety of the nation of Israel. And people use it conveniently to justify the replacement theology. You see, God rejected his people and he put down the church, that is, put down Israel and he picked up the church. But these are men of, who are unlearned, men of ignorance who speak like that. They don't read the whole context. They don't know the whole story. They don't read the entirety of the book. You know, they pick and choose a little bit here and there. And they, without realizing it, you know, they rely on their background from which they came. And they become drunk and they don't see straight. And so you hear these statements and we've been hearing them for the last 2,000 years. Yet that's not what Paul was talking about. God says, the ones who do not believe and are filled with envy, God is going to tell them, okay, I'm going to get me some other people also. Graph them into the commonwealth of Israel and I'm going to make you envy. And I'm going to make you jealous. So you come back to me. And that was the context. Not that he was totally divorcing his his wife and saying, well, that's it. I died. That's the end of the story. You go your way. I've got me a new wife now. A new woman. I've got me a new church. You know, this is a product of ignorance and unlearned people who speak like that. Because the entirety of the book, Moses and the prophets, from which Paul was preaching, made it very plain. That's not the story. And we read so far all that. Up to now, and if by this point people who went through all this information still maintain this, well, they are willingly ignorant, willfully ignorant. And in that case, they do blaspheme the word of God and contradict the word of God. And that's exactly what envy did to these to this, uh, members of the community of Israel, brethren of Paul. Because of envy, that which they understood before and agreed with, now they contradict and blaspheme. And if we are the people of God, we must not be in this attitude. So in verse 48, we read, Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Eternal. And that is the word of the Lord. And as many, speaking now about Jesus Christ, because he brought that word to Israel, to his own people, his own church, his own wife, and as many as had been appointed to eternal life, believed. 
Only the ones that were appointed to eternal life were called by the Father and grafted into the commonwealth of Israel, now willing, ready, and able to obey the Torah, Moses and the prophets, that which is binding for them, they're the ones who are called into eternal life, not just anybody who wanted to come. It's not come as you are, and it's not come when you want. It's when God calls you on a personal basis. But the preaching must be done everywhere indiscriminately, so to speak. And then it's up to God to call this person or that person. And it's up to the person to respond by obedience and by faith. And by remembering that it is ultimately God who justifies and forgives sins. But he's not going to do it to anybody who is disobedient to his law, to his Torah, to his teachings. Especially not those who hate his own people and his own nation that he had never rejected and is going to bring them back to himself. And so in verse 49, in the word of the eternal, that is the word of the Lord, speaking about Jesus Christ, the Adon, that is, Adon, Lord, or the word of Jehovah, uh, which would be the eternal, was being spread throughout all the region, but the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief of men. In other words, envy and jealousy caused them to behave that way. And otherwise, unfortunately, the Gentiles were not being called at that time. The Jews would have continued to listen, but that would not be right. They should listen even when other people are being called and just totally obey God no matter what. And yet, that's the unfortunate story of Israel. And yet, through that process, God was going to bring them back to himself. And they had to go through that. And then we go to, uh, in chapter 14, we continue the story. You would think by now that Paul said, well, fool you knew, I don't want, you know, forget all about you Jews, so to speak, you know, people of Israel. I'm going to the Gentiles, that's the end of the story. Uh, he made it very plain. That's not the end of the story. He was just talking about a, a, a small group in a certain place that were, you know, a bunch of rebel rousers because of envy. He's not talking about the community at large of Israel. And so in verse four, in chapter 14, he makes it very plain. In verse 1, now it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews. So they continued to go to the synagogue just in that particular synagogue because of those people that were there. They were filled with envy. He had a problem. At this time, we should stop and say greetings to all of God's people. This is again Mordecai Joseph. Until next time. The preceding message was taken from the World Wide Website at address www.biblestudy.org. This site is sponsored by Barnabas Ministries. Bible Study. You have questions. The Bible has answers. <laughs>